Dear Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of life. We thank you, Father, for giving us the basic necessities to sustain ourselves. The water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat. We thank you for the security we enjoy. We thank you for protection and guidance. We thank you, Lord, for giving us good health and even restoring our health back to us when we're ill. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. Please, Lord, grant to us power from above. Your word has given to us a promise that as many as received Christ to them, you gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. And that's what we want for ourselves. Fulfill your purpose in our lives, Lord. May the words we hear from this this devotion be a means by which your purpose will be brought about in our lives. I have nothing to say of mine own that will bless anyone. Lord, please put your words in my mouth that it may speak life and health and bring healing to the sin-sick soul and restore us to the image of God. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 24 Hardening of the Heart But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Exodus chapter 10 verse 20 How does the Lord harden the hearts of men? In the same way in which the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, God sent this king a message of warning and mercy, but he refused to acknowledge the God of heaven and would not render obedience to his commands. He asked, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? The Lord gave him evidence of his power by working signs and miracles before him. The great I Am acquainted Pharaoh with his mighty works, showing him that he was the ruler of heaven and earth. But the king chose to defy the God of heaven. He would not consent to break his proud, stubborn heart even before the king of kings, that he might receive the light. For he was determined to have his own way and work out his rebellion. He chose to do his own will and set aside the command of God, and the very evidence given him that Jehovah was above all the gods of the nations, above all the wise men and magicians, only served to blind his mind and harden his heart. Had Pharaoh accepted the evidence of God's power given him in the first plague, he would have been spared all the judgments that followed. But his determined stubbornness called for still greater manifestations of the power of God, and plague followed plague, until at last he was called to look upon the dead face of his own firstborn and those of his kindred, while the children of Israel, whom he had regarded as slaves, were unharmed by the plagues, untouched by the destroying angel. God made it evident upon whom rested his favor, who were his people. Every additional evidence of the power of God that the Egyptian monarch resisted carried him on to a greater and more persistent defiance of God. This case is a clear illustration of the sin against the Holy Ghost. 
whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Gradually, the Lord withdrew his spirit. Removing his restraining power, he gave the king into the hands of the worst of all tyrants, self. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Hardening the Heart. Hardening the Heart. Our key test text is taken from the book of Exodus chapter 10 verse 20. And it says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Yesterday we left off with seeing what it means to ask who is the Lord. Pharaoh had evidence already that the Lord who he was asking to know actually did exist. Signs were shown to him when Aaron dropped his rod on the floor and it turned to a serpent. Though his own magicians did the same thing, he could see clearly that he was dealing with a God that was greater than him, the King of Kings. But yet, Pharaoh would not submit. We learned that whenever we see plain evidence of truth given to us and we reject it, we are just like Pharaoh asking who is the Lord. The Lord said that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Before we go into talking about that, we should understand that God doesn't take responsibility for what happens to Pharaoh just because he said he is hardening Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. But the way God says I will harden his heart is like I will give him more evidences of my power. And God knows very well the law of what you sow you shall reap. Yesterday we saw in our key text that says um, be not deceived whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. We read that from the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. It says that we, whatever we sow, we reap. And th th this is the law of the mind. If you sow to yourself doubt, you keep reaping doubt. If you sow to yourself rebellion and stubbornness, you will keep reaping the same. And it is this law of sowing and reaping that brings about the hardened heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened by none other than himself. Because every evidence he saw showing him of the power of God, showing him the truth that he rejected, it had a work it was doing on him. So what were the evidences he saw? God politely requested that he let the children of Israel go. And remember, let's not forget, this was an issue of worship. God said, let my children go so that they will worship me. But Pharaoh refused. He wouldn't listen. It was a polite request. The Lord wasn't using force on him. But he was using force on the Israelites. He was enslaving them and even increased their burdens. Now made it to look like, oh, the Lord making this request is the one who has caused the problem for the children of Israel. So the Lord made a request again. And Pharaoh still hardened his heart. God then showed him a simple sign with that rod that turned to a snake, to a serpent. Pharaoh didn't still listen. You see how good God is. God gave Pharaoh ample evidence and time to decide. But since he would not listen, 
God then started with the plagues. For every plague that came, the Lord always gave a warning to Pharaoh. Moses and Aaron will go and meet Pharaoh and tell him, release the children of Israel. This is what's going to happen if you don't do it. This time tomorrow, this is what you are going to see. He started with the bloody Nile. The children of Egypt will go and take water from the Nile River. And when they carry it out of the river and they want to pour it out, what comes out is blood. And then the thing was stinking. It was smelling. It was, a, it was it, let's just call it the mildest of the plagues that the Lord gave to Pharaoh. Now, like I said yesterday, Pharaoh had backing. This, this is a serious issue we're looking at here. These man, this man called Pharaoh was no small person, at least as men are counted. How was he able to have these magicians that could do the same thing? You could see the power of Satan working out here. You see, this issue of Israel coming out of bondage is nothing less than our own journey coming out of sin. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. But suffice to say that the kind of powers that were playing out here, this was power matching power. The men, they dropped their own rod, it turned to a snake though Aaron's own swallowed theirs. Now, the, the, the Nile River was turned to blood. Pharaoh called his enchanters and his magicians and their, his sorcerers. They did the same thing. Then he turned the water turned to blood also. So here it is that Pharaoh is telling him, who is your God still? Whatever he can do, I can also do. The next thing, God sent Moses and Aaron the second time now telling Pharaoh that there was going to be the plague of frogs. And that one came and the place, the e Egypt was filled with frogs and he had to beg for them to come and take it away and more plagues came the, the the plague of the gnats came as the lice then the flies then the diseases on the bodies of the children of egypt and also on their animals their cattle then they had boils all over their body the next plague and the eighth one was the hail hailstones fell from heaven and was killing and wounding in and causing injuries for the Egyptians and all these plagues were selective. Not one of them was affecting any Hebrew or Israelite. And then the locust was the ninth, uh, the hail was the seventh plague, not the eighth one. And the locust was the eighth one. And then the darkness came. All these signs and wonders were rejected by Pharaoh. And in rejecting them, Pharaoh himself was hardening his heart. But the Lord says I will harden his heart because he was the one providing the means by which Pharaoh was making his choice. For every time Pharaoh was not listening to God, he was hardening his heart. So what does it mean to harden the heart? It simply means not to listen, that's all. And the more you don't listen, you get more stubborn in not listening. In the book of Psalms 95, reading from verse 6 to 9, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. The, the incident being referred to here was a case where even the children of Israel later also hardened their hearts. But one thing we see that is the foundation that they have in common. Anyone who is hardening his heart hears the word of God and rejects it and refuses to do it. They know it is God who is speaking. You can see clearly this is what the word of God says. You know it, but yet you refuse to do it. 
and it has its terrible consequences. It has its consequences. We will look at that. But how does a heart get hardened? We, we, we read in page 89, paragraph 3, talking about Pharaoh, says, He would not consent to break his proud, stubborn heart, even before the king of kings, that he might receive the light, for he was determined to have his own way. So how do people harden, have, harden their heart? By choosing to have your own way and work out his rebellion. That's how the heart is hardened. In the reading, it continues to say, He chose to do his own will and set aside the command of God. My brothers and sisters, this matter of hardening the heart is happening all over. You may even be one of those who have hardened your heart. Yes, you look all cheerful and smiley and you're still going to church. You may even be an elder. You may even be the head of the church, pastor, district pastor. You can be the conference leader. You can be the GO. It doesn't change the fact that you can harden your heart. You may well have hardened your heart against the Lord many, many years ago. You are just walking around as though you are one of the people of God. But that's not the case. How do we harden our heart? When we hear clearly the command of God and you set it aside to follow your own will, you are hardening your heart. And when you see the very evidence that God has chosen to give you, that He is a God above all the gods of all the nations, above all the wise men and magicians, and you still reject to follow the Word of God, then those things you are seeing in the Word of God will just serve to harden your heart. It's a terrible situation to be in. Pharaoh continued to procrastinate the obedience that the signs required. For every sign, Pharaoh was supposed to be marveled and say, I have seen enough, I will obey the Lord. But for every sign that came, it only affect him for a while. And then when it affects him for a while, he will go back to his uh, own will and his stubborn heart will continue to do what he wants to do. Those signs were meant to soften Pharaoh's heart. But when we encounter God, we cannot remain the same. You either get hardened or you get softened. You cannot read the word of God and remain the same. Fearful thing, brothers and sisters. How long have you been reading the word of God? If you have not been changing for the good, you have been getting worse. You cannot hear the word of God and just remain like that. It's either your heart will get hardened or you will get broken. You fall on the rock and be broken on the rock. will fall on you to crush you. As for Pharaoh, he encountered the evidences in God's word. But he procrastinated. For every procrastination, Pharaoh's heart was getting hardened. Do not delay to obey the Lord. That's why the, the passage we read in Psalms chapter 95, reading from verse 8, says, uh, in verse 7 rather, says, Today, if you will hear his voice, not tomorrow. When did it say? Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. But Pharaoh was saying tomorrow. When the first plague came, and his magicians matched it. The second one came, which was the frogs. His magicians did match it, but it was too grievous for him. In Exodus 8, reading from verse 8, it says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord. So now he knows that there is a Lord. He knows. So he can't deny it. He knows that there is a Lord. For him to tell Moses, Entreat the Lord. He cannot be asking again, Who is the Lord? Now he knows there is a Lord. Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. So here was someone intentionally matching God. Who dares to do that? A man fighting against God. This is not somebody who is ignorant. He is now aware that indeed God exists. He is aware. And then he's saying, beg him for me. Yet, disobeying that God. 
That means he was trying to find a way to overcome God, to overthrow God, to be the winner in a battle against God. Wow. This was a daring thing that Pharaoh was doing. This was really a rebellious, stubborn, obstinate man. But guess what? Many of us are like him. And the Lord is bringing this devotion to us for us to review our lives, examine ourselves and see whether you have not been like Pharaoh, hardening your heart. Now look at what Pharaoh did here after he asked asked Moses and Aaron to entreat the Lord. He said in verse 9, And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? I mean, this was something cheeky from, from Moses here. Moses said, tell me when. When should I entreat him? Because he could see that this man was an obstinate person. How long do you want to continue in this? That's what he was asking Pharaoh. How long do you want these frogs to remain? And do you know what Pharaoh's answer was? Verse 10. And he said, tomorrow. Can you imagine? The frogs were disturbing Pharaoh today. And Moses, he begged Moses, entreat the Lord for me. But Moses wanted to know this man's heart to know what is really in his heart. And he told him, no, you tell me when I should entreat the Lord for you. How long do you want to continue enjoying the plague of the frogs? And Pharaoh thought about it and his answer was, tomorrow. And he said, be it, as Moses said to Pharaoh, be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And then it happened as Moses did. Moses begged God. God did exactly as Pharaoh requested. The frogs remained there. Till that day, till the end of that day, Pharaoh was content to remain with those frogs. Can you imagine that? He procrastinated till the next day. And the frogs went. But when they went, the Bible tells us in verse 15, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart. So you see, it's not God that's hardening. He hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. You see, that thing that Pharaoh said tomorrow is what hardened his heart the more. The very fact that he could obey today, he pushed it to tomorrow. That was what his problem was. Moving his delaying obedience. Delaying obedience is a sin. You may have known what the Lord is saying to you, just like Pharaoh. You know what the Lord is requiring of you. You know his command and you know his will. But yet, you push it to another day and say, Oh, when I can do this, then I will obey. When I achieve this, then I will obey. That is the attitude of Pharaoh. To those of us who have heard the word of the Lord like Pharaoh and has said, I would listen tomorrow. To those of us who have had Bible studies, perhaps you heard a preacher in the church or you've had someone study the Bible with you, showing you what the Lord requires of you in one area or the other. You've seen it clearly. It could be in your occupation and the way you conduct it. It could be in any of God's commandments, whether it is in somebody telling you, stop committing adultery. Maybe you are cohabiting, living with someone you should not be living with. You're having a relationship you should not be in. And you have heard the word of the Lord telling you, this is not right. Or you are living in continual false witness, perhaps about your age or about something that you claim you are, but you are not. You are perhaps in, 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 in the wrong system of worship and you know that you have been told this kind of worship is wrong and yet you say tomorrow. Do you know the danger you are putting yourself in? Do you think you can change whenever you want to? 
your heart is going to get hardened like Pharaoh. I have witnessed it many times. I remember a time when I was having an evangelism. Went to have a Bible study with this young man. Showed him from the word of God various things that he needed to do. State of the dead, hellfire, the Sabbath, various other things about prayer, Jesus our friend. And telling him what the truth of the word of God says concerning these last days about the second coming of Jesus. All of it, he heard it. And he was standing on the fence. Asked him, will you make the change in your life and start to do what is right? And after much struggle, he postponed. Postponed and said, not now. I cannot do it now. For what reason? No reason whatsoever. I want more evidences. After the Lord has given you enough evidence. He didn't say, I want more evidences. But his attitude showed, I'm not, I need someone to push me. I need more conviction or something. There are many I have seen. Many years have gone by. They are still where they are. They are even getting worse. You don't want to be in that situation. That's why the Lord says, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Let me read. For those of us in that situation, let me read this. Perhaps it will awaken your heart. To stop procrastinating your obedience from steps to Christ. Hear these solemn words. Page 32, paragraph 2. It says, Beware of procrastination. Do not put off the work of forsaking your sins and seeking purity of heart through Jesus. Here is where thousands upon thousands have erred to their eternal loss. And you may be saying, no, me, I, I will change when I want to. You are joking. You are joking. I'm telling you, I've seen many who have said, I will change when I want to. They cannot. I'll continue the reading now. It says, I will not hear. Dwell upon the shortness of the uncertainty of life. That is not the problem. It's not about you don't know when you die. That's not the issue. The problem with this procrastination is not about you don't know when you will die. You may live the next 900 years. Long life is not the issue. That's not the problem. And then, what else? It says, but there is a terrible danger, something more dangerous than the fact that you will die anytime. A danger not sufficiently understood in delaying to yield to the pleading voice of God's Holy Spirit. In choosing to live in sin, in choosing to continue that relationship, to continue that cohabitation, to continue to leave that age unchanged, that legal document that you know you bore false witness on, there's a danger in continuing to live it that way. There's a danger in continuing your business, in running it in principles that are not in harmony with the word of God, which makes you like a thief. There's a danger in continuing to evade that tax. There's a danger in continuing to choose to live a life of sin for such this delay really is sin every time you are delaying you are sinning against god not by the sin itself but by the fact that you are delaying it is a sin sin however small it may be esteemed can be indulged in only at the peril of infinite loss what we do not overcome will overcome us and work out our destruction so just listen to the danger now Remember, we have said the danger is not about you can die anytime. That's not the danger. It's not about, oh, you are going to be in hellfire sometime in the future. That's not the danger. The danger is today. It's not for sometime in the future. Hear it now. It says, every act of transgression, every neglect or rejection of the grace of Christ is reacting upon yourself. It is hardening the heart, depraving the will, benumbing the understanding, and not only making you less inclined to yield, but less capable of yielding to the tender, pleading voice of God's Holy Spirit.
Wow. I'll continue the reading, but I just want this one paragraph to digest. This is the danger of procrastination here. The more you procrastinate, the more difficult it will be for you to even hear that voice of the Holy Spirit or to even be impressed. Do you think you can be impressed by yourself? It is the Holy Spirit that impresses. But there is a law that whatsoever you sow, you will reap. If you sow disobedience today, you will reap disobedience tomorrow. So that disobedience I commit today, that delay today, is going to make it more difficult for me tomorrow. Oh my, wherever you are, what is that thing you are delaying? Do you know that tomorrow is going to be harder for you to make that decision? Do you know that it's going to be harder for you tomorrow to change? Change does not come from yourself. The more you reject the pleading voice of the Holy Spirit telling you stop this thing or do this thing, the more you reject it, the more it's getting hardened. And what else is happening to your heart? It is getting benumbed. In other words, it's, it's numb. It cannot feel again. You know when they say the conscience is seared? That's what's happening. And then your understanding is getting darkened. So that thing you understand today, you will not understand it tomorrow. Tomorrow you are going to make excuses for it. And guess what? You will now come to a point where that thing which today looked like a sin to you, which you said you were going to make changes tomorrow. When days come ahead, you won't make change, not because you don't want to, but because you will start seeing that thing as no longer a sin. Why are you not seeing it as a sin anymore? Your understanding has been benumbed your will has been depraved your heart has been hardened and the holy spirit cannot walk on that heart again therefore he will leave you to yourself and you start feeling ah, there's nothing wrong with this and you continue in it so let me continue the reading it says many are quieting a troubled conscience with the thought that they can change a course of evil when they choose that they can trifle with the invitations of mercy and yet be again and again impressed they think that after doing despite to the spirit of grace after casting their influence on the side of satan in a moment of terrible extremity they can change their course but this is not so easily done the experience, the education of a lifetime has so thoroughly molded the character that few then desire to receive the image of Jesus. Even one wrong trait of character, one sinful desire persistently cherished, will eventually neutralize all the power of the gospel. Every sinful indulgence strengthens the soul's aversion to God. Wow! Every sinful indulgence strengthens the soul's aversion to God. The man who manifests an infidel hardihood or a stolid indifference to the divine truth is but reaping the harvest of that which he has himself sown. In all the Bible, there is not a more fearful warning against trifling with evil than the words of the wise man that the sinner shall be holden with the cords of his sins. End of quote. Here is a solemn word to us. But I believe that the Lord is talking to all of us to have another opportunity that that which we have postponed, that which we have procrastinated on, now is the time. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. We read concerning Pharaoh in page 89, paragraph 5 of Conf Conflict and Courage, we are told, Every additional evidence of the power of God that the Egyptian monarch resisted carried him on a stronger and more persistent defiance of God. The case is a clear, this case is a clear illustration of the sin against the Holy Spirit. So with us too is the same thing. That we can also be involved in sinning 
against the Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 8, he saw the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is? It's the same thing as the finger of God. And he was told, this thing you are fighting is not ordinary. This is the finger of God. But he resisted it. And then he fell into the sin against the Holy Spirit. Exodus 8, reading from verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, extend your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and it will become gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. They did so. Aaron extended his hand with his staff, and he struck the dust of the ground, and it became gnats on people and on animals. All the dust of the ground became gnats throughout all the land of Egypt. I mean, you, you can't imagine. All the dust of the ground became gnats. Wow. When the magicians attempted to bring forth gnats by their secret arts, they could not. So, there were gnats on the people and on animals. The magicians said to Pharaoh, It is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had predicted. What was this finger of God that the magicians were telling Aaron, uh, telling Pharaoh, this thing is the finger of God? Let's see, in the book of Matthew 12, Jesus speaking in verse 26 and 27 said, If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, who, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. And in verse 28, he said, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Take note, Jesus is saying, I'm casting out devils by the Spirit of God. But in the account in Luke 11 verse 20, in that same thing, Jesus said, But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. So what is this finger of God? It is the Spirit of God. Matthew 12 verse 20, it says, If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out, cast out devils. Luke eleven twenty says it is the finger of God. So here it is that Pharaoh was told, this is the Holy Spirit here. This is the finger of God. And he hardened his heart. He fell into the sin against the Holy Spirit. What is the sin against the Holy Spirit? Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 31. Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh against the Son, a word against the Son, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You see, when the magicians told Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, no more excuse. Now it was clear that God was the one speaking. Before now, because his magicians were able to repeat the plagues, he was procrastinating. But what was his excuse now? He had no cloak with which to cover his stubbornness. He was found out. He was willingly defying God. So it is with us. We may claim not to know the will of God and plead that it is an excuse, and plead that as an excuse for our wrong course. But in the face of glaring evidence, if we still disobey, even if it's in the smallest matter, and we choose to go against God's word and have our own way, follow our own will and our own opinions, then we are hardening our hearts. Pharaoh was too conscious of his image before his people. He believed his strength lay in his in not conceding defeat. His magicians had given up and hoped that he also would do the same, but he persistently refused, thinking that it would be too humbling and humiliating for him to admit his error. Many of us behave this same way today. Pride will not let us to accept the truth because we, we, are, we, we, we feel we will be humiliated by accepting it. 
and then we continue in our wrong course of action and by this we sin against the holy spirit but to make it clearer let me read now what it means to sin against the holy spirit counsels for the church page 81 paragraph 1 it says what constitutes the sin against the holy ghost it is willfully attributing to satan the work of the holy spirit for example suppose that one is a witness of the special work of the spirit of god he has convincing evidence that the work is in harmony with the scriptures and the spirit witnesses with his spirit that it is of god just like pharaoh he, he had enough evidence and just like us too many of us have enough evidence for the things that we do that are wrong now let's say we have that evidence then afterward however he falls under temptation pride self-sufficiency or some other evil trait controls him and rejecting all the evidence of his divine character he declares that that which he had before acknowledged to be the power of the holy spirit was the power of satan it is through the medium of his spirit that god works upon the human heart and when men willfully reject the spirit and declare it to be from satan they cut off the channel by which god can communicate with them by denying the evidence which god had been pleased to give them they shut out the light which had been shining in their hearts and as the result they are left in darkness thus the words of christ are verified if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness matthew 6 23 for a time persons who have committed this sin may appear to be children of god but when circumstances arise to develop character and show what manner of spirit they are of it will be found that they are on the enemy's ground standing under his black banner end of quote what is it in God's word that the Lord has been pleased to show you? Great evidence is that this is the truth and yet you are still going against it. Just like what we read here, you may continue. Persons who do this, they can continue for some time, a long time, as if they are children of God. They may appear to even be children of God, but later circumstances will show that they are not children of God. What have you rejected in God's word? Do not consider disobedience a small matter because some of us we feel I have not neglected anything. Or in your mind, you are feeling, oh, the things I neglected is a small issue. Hear this Steps to Christ, page 30, paragraph 1. God does not regard all sins as of equal magnitude. There are degrees of guilt in his estimation, as well as in that as in that of man. If you go to the book of Ezekiel 8, you will see that God doesn't regard every sin as the same magnitude but guess what all are great in his eyes and that's what we read now but however trifling this or that wrong act may seem in the eyes of men no sin is small in the sight of god man's judgment is partial imperfect but god estimates all things as they really are the drunkard is despised and is told that his sin will exclude him from heaven while pride selfishness and covetousness too often go unrebuked but these are sins that are especially offensive to God, for they are contrary to the benevolence of his character, to that unselfish love which is the very atmosphere of the unfallen universe. He who falls into some of the grosser sins may feel a sense of his shame and poverty and his need of the grace of Christ, but pride feels no need, and so it closes the heart against Christ and the infinite blessings he came to give. Adam and Eve persuaded themselves that in so small a matter as eating of the forbidden fruit, there could not result such terrible consequences as God has declared. But this small matter was the transgression of God's immutable and holy law, 
and it separated man from God and opened the floodgates of death and untold woe upon our world. Age after age there has gone up from our earth a continual cry of mourning, and the whole creation groaneth and travailed together in pain as a consequence of man's disobedience. Heaven itself has felt the effects of his rebellion against God. Calvary stands as a memorial of the amazing sacrifice required to atone for the transgression of the divine law. Let us not regard sin as a trivial thing. End of quote. No sin is small. In your mind, you may be saying, oh, the sin I'm, I'm, I'm disregarding is a small issue. But you are still holding in your heart and you are sinning against the Holy Spirit. Some people think that when they, they sin against the Holy Spirit, it has to be one big issue. No. Even in the smallest matter, if the Spirit of the Lord is convincing you through the Word of God that this is what you are supposed to be doing and you reject it and procrastinate and refuse to do it, you are sinning against the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is telling us today, do not harden your heart. When we persistently refuse to render obedience to a plain thus saith the Lord, then the worst happens. As it happened to Pharaoh, it will happen to us too. And what is that that happened to Pharaoh? We read, Gradually, the Lord withdrew his spirit. Removing his restraining power, he gave the king into the hands of the worst of all tyrants, self. End of quote. Self is the greatest enemy that we need to fear. So what is self and how is it the worst of all the tyrants? We hear so many things about self. Self-control, self-abnegation, self-abasement, self-denial, self-protection, self-consciousness, self-forgetfulness, self-sufficiency, self-defense, etc. There's so much about self. Why? Because self is actually what we are dealing with. God was trying to protect Pharaoh from himself just as the Lord is trying to protect us from ourselves. What is this self we are referring to? It is our will, our desires, our inclinations. God doesn't want us to carry out our own will, our own desires and our own inclinations. But when we persistently refuse to follow his word, he withdraws his spirit and then we are left to the most cruel tyrant, self. Conquering self is a work we ought to do. But when the Spirit of the Lord is not there, we cannot conquer self. You find out that there is something about humanity that makes it look as if we have this kind of dual personality. In Romans 7, Paul described it as a law that is in his members, making him to do something that his mind doesn't want to do. And you find out that if the Lord leaves you to yourself, you'll be doing things and you'll be wondering, what am I doing? You're not in control anymore. Self is in control. Your desires, you have no power to stop yourself again. Everything is just running like a snowball effect, just flowing like that. And then it's getting worse and worse. There is no stopping it. It's running riot. All your desires are being carried out. Nothing can stop you. Even when you want to stop, you cannot stop. Why? The Holy Spirit has been taken away. Why was it taken away? Because of persistent refusal to render obedience to the word of God. Self is the worst of tyrants. We are our, our greatest enemy. And it is me, myself, that needs conquering, not the devil. The only person that can hinder me or you, the only person that can hinder our progress is ourselves. It is not even Satan. Pharaoh could not conquer his pride. His pride conquered him. 
God could not help him. The gospel was neutralized by his persistent refusal to yield and God left him to his own desires. But in doing this, God left him to the cruelest of tyrants. It is a fearful thing when we are permitted to have our own way. If the Lord leaves us to ourselves, that is the worst thing that can happen to us. This happens when we persistently refuse to render obedience to the word of God. This happens when we persistently refuse to see sin for what it is, or be convinced of our wrong or our wrongdoing, or when we persistently continue in our wrong course of action, or we start to see sin as innocence and call righteousness sin. The Lord is allowing us to go through this so that we will be warned. We will be warned. Render obedience. You never know when the Lord will withdraw His Spirit from you. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 tells us, Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Let us take careful note and take the warning to ourselves. Soften your heart. How do we soften the heart? By allowing the evidences that the Lord has chosen to touch us to actually create an effect in us. That is how we soften the heart. It is by allowing the things that the Lord has been pleased to have an effect on us to really have that effect. When we see the evidence, evidence upon evidence in God's word concerning our wrong cause of action, do not entertain doubts. Don't ask for more signs and evidences before you obey. If you do that, you're rendering, you are hardening your heart. When you have experiences which are remarkable, showing the remarkable power of God, perhaps a remarkable deliverance from sin or you saw that God showed you from his word clearly what the truth is God is showing us the great deliverance he's showing his mighty works to us and all these experiences are to serve as a wonder to us it's as a call from the Holy Spirit to pay attention to God if after this we choose to continue in a life of sin we are hardening our hearts but let us take advantage of the experiences the Lord has been pleased to show us as a wake up call to us it may be sickness, it may be the death of a loved one or a friend or any other extreme condition or clearly just reading the scriptures and you see, because that is the most powerful thing. It's not all this powerful, you say, oh, I was sick and the Lord healed me. I almost had an accident or I had an accident and I did not die, all these kind of things. I would say, oh, I had a great experience. The greatest experience you can have is the study of the word of God and seeing God revealed to you. That is the most uh, powerful experience you can have and when you have that in the light of this experience let us soften our hearts and render obedience if in the light of these experiences we choose to continue our wrong course of action by hardening our hearts it is left with us to make our choice let us pray dear father in heaven thank you lord for these words and this opportunity for us to once again be impressed by your spirit so that we can make the right choice Lord, in the past, we have been hardening our hearts by persistent refusal to yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we've made repentance a hard work for ourselves by sowing to ourselves rebellion and sowing iniquity and we are reaping rebellion. Lord, have mercy. Please forgive us. There's someone who may be struggling with one sin or the other and is wondering, oh, have I sinned against the Holy Spirit? Lord, I pray that your Spirit will convince that person that they will know that as far as they are still feeling a sense to know that they have done wrong and to repent then there's hope lord help each and every one of us that we may take advantage of this opportunity to not procrastinate anymore 
but to render obedience today. Help us, Lord, for we struggle. We struggle to do what is right. I pray, Father, that we will not do despite the voice of the Holy Spirit, but that by your grace we will respond. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen.